You know, it's not impossible to get your life back. I see a lot of sad people. I have a friend that spent 19 years in solitary that has a one-year clean time. He's a good friend of mine. If a guy in solitary confinement can come into NA and get clean, I think the rest of you can. And just think about what you're doing to the people around you. Because if you think that you're using and you're good and you're not hurting anybody, you're fooling yourself. Because look at all the things I just said that I did that I never thought that hurt anybody. That was Alexander Mack, and this is The Share Podcast. It's time for The Share Recovery Podcast, where we bring you amazing life-changing success stories from addicts and alcoholics all over the world who share their inspiring journey in recovery. And now, here's your host, Oh. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Share Podcast. And today, I'm excited to announce that I have my good friend, Alexander Mack, joining us on the show today. Alexander, or as we affectionately refer to him as Ant, came to me about a year and a half ago. Well, he called me from Nevada and said, Oh, I've been lying to you. I'm not clean. I've been on Suboxone for 10 years, and now I'm hooked on Vicodin again as well, and I'm done, bro. So I'm locking myself up in my backyard I'm either going to kick or I'm going to die, but I'm done with this shit. And for the next two weeks, him and I texted every single day, called every single day to get him through the madness. And today he's here to share his unbelievable story. He's my friend, he's my brother, and he's a proud member of Narcotics Anonymous. And for him, it's the only way. So let's dive into Ant's story. But first, I'm excited to announce the launch of our brand new online membership community, ShareSpace. It's a private, paid community where, as a group, we take our careers, our health, our relationships, and our recovery to another level. Each week, you will get on a membership call live with me and the other members of ShareSpace, and we will have open discussions where we discuss what's holding you back, your limiting beliefs, and how to find all the happiness, fulfillment, and purpose that you deserve in your life. So for more information on how to become a member of the ShareSpace tribe, then go to www.sharespace.net. Remember to spell share, S-H-A-I-R. And if you like what you see, then sign up for a free 15-minute call with me to see if ShareSpace is the right place for you. ShareSpace, it's time to believe in yourself again. And for those of you that are looking for the perfect recovery gift to give to yourself or to a friend in recovery, then go to www.allrecoveryrings.com. At All Recovery Rings, you can have any recovery medallion beautifully transformed into a ring you can wear on your finger. All you need to do is select the medallion of your choice, submit your ring size, and All Recovery Rings will create the perfect ring for you. So go to www.allrecoveryrings.com and order your recovery ring today. And for those of you who love listening to the Share Podcast, and want to enhance your recovery, then join us in our SHARE Facebook private group, the SHARE Recovery Network. In this free Facebook private group, you will meet thousands of people in recovery that are loving, caring, and being of service. If you're struggling in your recovery or you're struggling in life, then this might be the perfect place for you. The purpose of the SHARE Recovery Network is to discuss recovery in all of its facets and all of its pathways in a way that is attractive and all-inclusive. 
So to join us in this Facebook private group, go to Facebook, go to the search bar, type in S-H-A-I-R, Recovery Network, and our private Facebook group will pop right up. So join us today. And if you haven't done so already, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It's one of the best ways to show your support for the podcast. And speaking of kick-ass reviews, our next one is from Justin Hertz. Title is Awesome Recovery Podcast. And Justin writes... The Share Podcast was one of the very first podcasts I ever listened to, and I have been hooked to this podcast ever since. This podcast will help anyone who is currently struggling with addiction, in recovery, or has a loved one that struggles with addiction. Keep up the good work, Omar. Thanks for the love, Justin. Thanks for the review. And it's the reason why three years later, I'm still producing the podcast and really see no end in sight. This podcast has been a gift and a blessing for so many, including myself. Much love, brother, and HP, baby. Now, a quick message from Transitions Daily, and then on to the show. Would you like to join a free, anonymous online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Then go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. And don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Hey, Ann, thanks for joining us. Hey, Omar, glad to be here. What is that? Let's go. Okay. Again? What's up, Bo? That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Let's bring this shit, man. Let me have a drink of this Coke. Have a little, Hold have on. A, let's have a little drink of this Coke. <laughs> okay, sorry. All right, you guys are going to probably hear some laughing in the background. This is the first time I'm doing a live interview, and I've got my amazing friend, Anthony Mack, joining us on the Share Podcast. Ant is a longtime friend and a very prominent member in the Share Podcast Private Accountability Group. What up, Ann? How you feeling, buddy? Any shout-outs? Feeling great, man. A shout-out to all the people on the, uh, on, the share, on, on the share group, you know, like Gabby and, that's right, and Val and uh, a lot of those good guys. Excellent. I'm glad you have a good time in there. The girls, the girls, actually. The girls in there. Yeah, you can't 13-step over the internet, so. No. No, I'm just kidding. No, but actually you can't. <laughs> no, right, right. <laughs> We don't do that anymore, right? We don't do that anymore. <laughs> all right, excellent. All right, so before we get started, first of all, Anthony, tell us about your normal daily routine. You know, what do you do on a regular basis, including recovery? Now? Correct. In the last 15 months. So, well, now, you know, now that I have some time and, you know, I've spent uh, I've over 15 months clean. So... After the 60 days of withdrawal and, and when I started getting some things together and started to really feel over the last you know, few months, my daily routine is trying to go through all the wreckage that I've had caused over 20-something years, which is not easy because you know, um, it's complicated because when you, when you marry someone and you're using who use, but then they, we have a baby and she goes, well, I'm done using but I still use, you know, and didn't stop using, you know, I have a lot of wreckage that, and a lot of things to clean. And so it, it, it took me some time to, to, to recognize it's not all about just getting clean, honey, and we're going to be back perfect. You know, it, it, you know, she, that was my thing, though, is that when I, when I got into the program when you, that night when you told me to get into a meeting, I got into a meeting and... And got a sponsor and, and spent 
a lot of my time in recovery, a lot of it. So, so not only, you know, when I was out using, I was gone. When I got to recovery, I was gone. Yes, that's very familiar. That happens a lot. You know what I mean? Because it came so important to me. So I, you know, my step one is, is you know, I can work a hardcore step one, uh, not pick up. And, um, but now when I, you know, I have a track record, my wife, uh, you know, she, she walked into my one year, which was September 1st. Um, and she started to wonder when I'm going to change. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you know, an, you know, you know, the Aussies have a word that they say, it's a C word. No. What is it? Cunt. <laughs> it's British. Oh, they're British say, right? But like, so like she says, she, you know, she'll say to me, even with stupid, simple stuff, you know, like putting the, uh, the spoon that's small into the big spoon thing. Uh-huh. You're the same junkie cunt. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm trying, you know? So, you know, she, my daily thing is trying to do the next right thing. And it's not easy when you haven't done the right thing for so many years. It's like being an infant. You know, I mean, when I, when I first got clean, I couldn't make macaroni. I couldn't, I didn't know how to sit with my kids. Even after a hundred days, I still didn't know how to sit with my kids or deal with my wife. After 30 days, I thought I should be getting laid. And my wife said, no, come see me in a year. <laughs> so, um, she did show up to my one year. Um, but so that, you know, that all comes to today, you know, today I really have to work the steps and live the steps. Because I, you know, the fiend in me, I could be clean but live really dirty. I understand. And I have a big tendency to do that, you know, and act out in certain ways and stuff like that. So, you know, I, you know, I got a new sponsor and, uh, he, you know, he's helping me on my day-to-day routine. I'm going to the gym 10 days in a row. Ooh. Well, now I've been in Costa Rica, so I haven't. Yeah, I don't know about I that. How long have you been in Costa Rica now? Five days. Yeah, so... Yeah, so actually, I haven't been in the gym five, ten days in a row. But my ego is telling me that <laughs> that I'm looking buff, and it looks like I went. I've been in the gym, dude. All right. Look at the guy next to you. You're not buff. <laughs> no, but you know, it's very hard for me. Oh, because you know, I had to not only not only getting clean. I went through a process of of letting myself free from work and employment. Okay. And you and I have a mutual friend. Then he said, go get clean, get done. And so, um, you know, I haven't worked since, since September, since I had a disaster here in August of 2016 and flew home and got clean. I haven't worked since then. So I have another year that I need to really start working and living the steps the right way. You know what I mean? And not just reading it. You know what I mean? Living it on a day-to-day basis. Well, you're working it in the N.A. Fellowship, right? N.A., yeah. Yeah, I mean, I... So this is, my da- this is my daily routine. So I wake up, and now I can actually deal with making Vegemite sandwiches. Like, I, you know, I could really <laughs> What in the fuck are Vegemite sandwiches? Okay, so... Really? So you know, oh. My wife is a vegan. Okay. So when I got clean, you know, I was like, honey... 
I'm going to be a vegan. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop using. I'm going to stop doing all this shit. But, you know, of course, I, you know, you're pointing to my cigarettes. Yeah. But uh, um, I had to first stop what was going to kill me today. And I thought, I'll deal with the rest later. But anyway, so my wife's hardcore vegan. But I would always be the guy who went to Jack in a Box on the way home, ate it in the car, threw it out the window. Yes, I was that guy too. Yes, yes, that guy. yes. Okay. I am that guy. So my wife is a very strict vegan. Everything in our house is organic. And uh, well, you know, you talk to her. You Dude, know I, I know who she is. She's, Real pain in the ass she, stuff. I, wouldn't, I didn't say right? that. Natalie, who, I did not say that. Who washes out Coke bottles for recycling? I don't know because I don't do that. Okay. Okay? So anyways, so my kids have a very strict diet. They live a certain way. My, my wife is actually a good, she's a good mom. Okay? So now, okay, let's go back to, to, to my life today. So now I'm just getting into the routine where I could get up in the morning at 6.45, press the toaster. Okay. Okay? And then I can go, okay, I'm going to actually make this Vegemite sandwich. Fuck the butter, because yeah. I'm going to skip that. Okay. Then I got to go, wait, 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 wait. Let me do it the right way. Let me put the butter and then put the Vegemite. Vegemite is an Australian uh, uh, white uh, yeast extract, okay? I hate it. It's gross. But uh, anyway, so I can actually do that part, get the kids up, actually get them dressed. And that took a long time for me. This is not, a, this is not funny stuff, really. It is funny to me now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But like, you know, this is people this is what we deal with. This is what I deal with as over, you know, what two decades of using, you know, uh and so then I'm able to take them to school and not stop at the store and make them all late now. You know, you know, you know how because I, when my wife would go to Australia and I'd be home with the kids and I'd be using, usually I wouldn't make them go to school or I'd say, you know, we'll go at 10. <laughs> it would be late. So my wife would be like, hey, the kids have 21 tardies and this and that. But I'm getting some, I'm getting some structure, finally. Okay? And uh, so I'm able to get up, get the kids, and start doing some of the things that I owe my wife. You know, for, for, for what I have wrecked during, you know, during all these years. So, you know, I can get them to school on time. And I actually get them to school and um, one of my priorities is, well, I, I still have the rituals. You know, I go to this little curb store and I'll get a five hour energy drink. I'll drink that and I'll sit on the curb and I'll smoke and I'll think about, you know, I'll just look in the air and just look at the clouds and stuff, simple stuff. That, I do that every morning. And then I'll go home and then I'll be like, hey, honey, the kids are at school. And she'll, and she'll say, are you going to another meeting today? And I'm like, I'm going to the gym. She's going, We'll go to the gym, but no meeting today. And I'm like, no, gym meeting. You know, it, it, it's hard to get a normal person to understand how much this program has helped me. You know, some, some people may think, and this is my wife, I got clean with no detox. We're sitting in a detox, you know, detox center right now. I've never even, you know, I mean, I speak in them, but I've never been in one. I got clean... Don't go into too deep into that one. All right. Because so, you're going to get into that later. <coughs> so Daily so routine. Stay with me. So, stay okay. focused. It's hard for me. My brain's got 40 hamsters in it. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> um, I'm normally like this anyways. <laughs> but um, so even clean. And so 
okay, so then, I, then I'll hit the gym the last 10 days. Oh, no, I'm sorry, five days I was here. And then, but, I, but I was there, you know, like, and everyone, all my fellowship brothers were like, well, I'll bet you a thousand bucks you can't do 30 days in a row. I'm like, kidding me? You know how my brain works, bro? Let's, let's do it. But then I came here. So, you know, and so now I'm on hiatus, but I got to get back to the gym. <laughs> and then I hit my 12 and then I'll hit my nine, you know, clock meetings. And, uh, you know, the only thing right now that I really have to be somewhere is for my commitment on Tuesday as the secretary of the 12. That's a big deal to be somewhere at 11.15 now these days and, and have to make sure the coffee's made and the pamphlets are out and, and you know, get a chairperson. That's, my, that's a big part of my week. So you know like how you know, it's my, recovery, my recovery is, is gradually getting better. You know, I, I can do more than one thing in a day. You know, it's, I can do two things in a day now, maybe three. But yeah, so I write it down. Because you, know, you get overwhelmed with the wife trying to bring all the shit to every day now saying, well, you didn't pay this 10 years ago. There was a bill from when the kid was born. I'm like, oh, please don't bring all this up. I, I can do two things a day. That's it. <laughs> so, you know, and, and then I, uh, I hang out with my kids. I pick them up and um, watch a little Netflix and talk to my friends in the fellowship. You know, I'm big in the fellowship in Las Vegas and... Um, you know, that's pretty much my day. My day's very simple. I need to keep it simple, Omar. I love it. I love it. You know it. what I mean? I do. I do. So tell us how old you were the first time you drank or used drugs, and more importantly, how did they make you feel? <clears throat> okay, so for me, drinking started probably at the age of 13. Um, it started with, uh, you know, I can remember the day that I first got loaded or drunk. It started with a, uh, a neighbor's party, and I drank a bottle of Boone's Farm. You know that good one? Oh, wine? dude, the Boone's Farm. Yeah. So nasty. So, excuse me. So I, dr- I, I drank a bottle of Boone's Farm, and I was never a beer guy. You know what I mean? I like the sweet stuff. So, And then it was Bartles and James, and then you had like uh, those other Seagram's coolers. The wine coolers. That. Yeah, and then so, you know, I re- you know, started about 13 drinking Boone's Farm on the weekends. That was, you know, you know a little bit of here and there, but I'd get loaded. You know, I didn't drink just to, like, drink and hold one. I drank to get loaded. Right. Right? And then probably when I was about 15 or 16, uh, and then you start smoking some weed, even though your mom is, you know, telling you, you don't hang out with them because they smoke weed. You know what I mean? So, uh, but I did anyways. But so then I tried out with weed. Then someone one time gave me a Primo. I don't remember Primo's. I think it was, uh, wasn't it? Didn't they have cocaine in it? Cocaine. Yeah, cocaine right, in it, right. right? So I smoked one of them and I uh, almost had a heart attack. <laughs> and uh, I remember being on the floor and, and uh, trying to take my pulse. And I was going, man, I'm having a heart attack. Should I tell my mom? I was like, no, I better just die in here. But anyways, <laughs> so that evolved into me drinking to the point where about, you know, the same age, 16 around there to where I was beer bonging uh, Boone's Farm and like Thunderbird and just Ugh. getting loaded, you know. So, um, and uh, that continued and I ended up with a DUI. Oh, actually, I lied. I have been in a detox facility. Okay, all right. And, oh, I and lied. This, okay, hold on, hold on. The, it was the first time you drank or used drugs, all right? We got that. All right. Okay, okay, all right, okay, all right. okay. How much clean time do you have and when's your anniversary date? September 1st, 2016. So I have over a year, almost a little more than 15 months. Awesome. Awesome. Congratulations. Right. Who's running the show here? I'm just joking. Okay. (laughs) 
you're obviously all, all warmed up. So I'm actually now going to turn the show over to you. So, Ant, please, share your experience, strength, and hope with us. The battle against drugs and alcohol, the wreckage it caused in your life when you hit rock bottom, and then finally your journey into recovery up until today. Mm-hmm. So, Ant, now, please, take it away. You may just rip into it? Rip into it, buddy. This is your time, your story. <sighs> okay. Uh, it's... it's uh... So, so like I said, a lot of my, my using started in the teens and, um, you know, I never thought I was a real addict because I didn't do Coke and I didn't do heroin and I didn't do, um, you know, the stuff that the other guys did. I only drank, maybe smoked some bud and, you know, this and that. And, um, when I turned 17, I was with some friends and we had been drinking and I ended up with my first DUI. Um, and my mom, when, when I got from California, she actually did put me in a treatment center and my dad, who is in his active addiction, pulled me out the next day. Um, and then from there, you know, I never, you, you know, I went to school and I, and I went to, uh, to UNLV and, you know, did those things and used the entire time. Um, but it didn't, it didn't come about until about the late nineties that I discovered drinking really wasn't, it's like it was too much because you could take like 10 lore tabs and be like cool without drinking all that stuff that I said, you know, I don't need to drink. I could take these pills. It's like getting loaded. It's without booze. So then that's when I got into the, uh, that's when I got into pharmaceuticals. So <laughs> when I got into the pharmaceuticals, um, I never stopped. <laughs> you guys laughing. I never, you know, it just kept going, you know. And so this is late '90s, and uh, you know, when I discovered Lord Tabs and Valiums, and uh, actually the real good old Valiums with the V in the middle, hollowed out. You probably don't remember those. There was no Quaaludes in the '90s either. So you, but you know, there you you can make that stuff. You can figure it out. You Dude, I didn't start drugs. doing drugs until I came to Costa Rica. <laughs> I, I smoked some weed and drank some booze in the states. So, so, um, yeah, so it got, it got to a, to a point where I, um, and, and I'll tell you, my dad is in active addiction still, and he's still alive. Um, one day he, one day he gave me a liquid Lortap and, um, my dad was, uh, at my apartment in Las Vegas is about 1999 and he took he took five Norcos, which were, which are, you know, light Tylenol because, you know, the addict's mind is really sick. It's like, I can take this many as long as I don't cross the Tylenol line. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. It's like, like, so let me get Norcos so I can take more because there's less Tylenol. You know, you know, it's, it's complicated. So, but my thing started with, you know, the pills and stuff and, uh, what really got me going was these liquid lore tabs. We thought they were so cool. You know, it was like, oh, wow, liquid, liquid lore tabs. And um, so, you know, I, I ended up traveling and uh, a little bit to Europe. And, and then I uh, learned some, some other pharmaceuticals in, in Romania where I lived. And, um, you know, they were like five cents. You could buy like all you want there, you know. So I would, I would just stock up and... and um, I'm going into my first brush with, with, with a consequence of this because, because my dad always told me you have to, till you're 45 to fuck up. 
And I and that stayed in my brain, ingrained in my brain. I got clean when I was 45. <laughs> so, so you know, I went to Romania, and, and um, you got to remember when you leave countries, it's very, very hard, you know, because you have to make sure you have dope, you know, because you're far away. And so, uh, I t- I brought into the country in LAX a load of Valium, and the DEA caught me, and I and and they did they detain me and they said uh they asked you know about the the um you know the stuff i had with me and i said it was for my for my doctor this is for this is for me you know so it was kind of crazy because they actually you know they detained me and then i had the romanian uh doctor call in and say yeah they're his and then two weeks later they sent him to me in the mail the dea emblem with all the pills in there and I was like, wow, right on. This is cool. <laughs> no, but anyways, so, you know, I just, you know, I, but I still didn't think I was an addict. I, I just thought that I was having fun, you know, I mean, getting through college and using and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, but it got deeper and deeper, you know, because you're tall, because my tolerance was getting to the point where to, you know, at, you know, when you first, uh, anyone who's ever tried opioids, when you first use and someone gives you one and you watch them take five, you're like, I'll never be that dude. I'll never take five. You know what I mean? And then like three months later, you're taking five <laughs> at a time. And then, we, and then you reach like 24 a day. Oh, and then you need, the, the, you need the stronger stuff. You know what I mean? Plus, you know, you're hard to get. You know what I mean? So, you know... Um, <coughs> So, you know, I, but I, but I, you know, I, I, I lived with, I had a good family and, uh, I never had real consequences, um, until later, a little bit later on, um, maybe it was a bit, a little bit after college in probably, uh, 90, 99, let's say, um, I took a trip down to Mexico and thought that I would, I had a smart idea that I would bring back a bunch of dope. And, um, when I, uh, and it was easy, you know, you know, like I just drove down there. And I was like, hey, my name is Romania, man. What's going on? Can I have like some oxys and Lortabs and this and that and Valiums and Xanax, and this and that, like whatever you need, man. So then I drove them back across the border. I told my dad and my other dad who were both addicts, you know, one of them passed away. But um, I said, man, we can go down there and just get our own, you know, like we don't need to pay the streets anymore because, the, you know, this is when the doctors were tightening up and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so then I would go down there with my dad, so my stepdad, and my real dad. We'd go like, you know, in a Lexus with no luggage, and we'd just like cruise into the thing and buy like 5,000 of each of whatever, no luggage, and we'd cross the border, and, you know, we'd, it was nothing. And so we all got home where, like, you, 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 when you try to separate them all, and you're kind of like, well, let's just separate them here, one, two, three. And like, no, we got to count this shit. And I'm like, no, we don't need to count it here. It's just like this. But, you know, we were all fucking crazy. You know what I mean? So, so you know, you know we, so I had my Mexico. I had my, uh, I had my, um, my doctors in the States, you know, so. And, but I was running. You know, it, got, it was getting worse and worse and worse. And until the point where I actually went back down to the same guys. And I'm like, hey, I'm Romania, man. Yeah, I'm here to get my stuff. Like, all right, I, and I paid, and they told me to go to a house, you know, go to this house in this neighborhood and pick up your shit. I was like, okay, you know, that's cool. And so we drove to this house, and, uh, you know, a bunch of, you know, 
guys were in there. I mean, Mexican guys. And uh, they said, your stuff's out in that diesel. And, and I said, uh, what diesel? You know, and they're like, that diesel. Unload that fucker, and then your stuff's in, in the back. So they made me unload a diesel with my dad <laughs> to get to our shit in the back. So when we got to our shit in the back, um, you, know, you, you, know, you're, you know, you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm going to get this, and it's going to be this small. Like, like I'm going to get 5,000 of these pills, but it's going to be in a little bag. You know what I mean? So there's still all these boxes. And I'm like, cool, what's this? And he goes, that's all yours. And, and, and so I'm like, all these boxes are all mine? He's like, yeah. And I opened them up, and there were sample packs. So we had to get a hotel room and, you know, all night, <laughs> pop them out. And we were popping them out all night and popping them out and popping them out. And uh, Were you doing them all, too? Oh, yeah. What <laughs> uh, we're all it was to the point. So you're Omar, fucking that, high the whole time. I mean, Omar, it was to the point where if we cross the border, who's going to believe, like, no, this is for me. You know what I mean? They're, they're like, you have intent to sell. No, this is for me and my dad. You know, we're, this is ours. <laughs> you know, we're not selling this shit. But anyways, so going on, um, going on uh, with, with, uh, with not learning and still not thinking I'm an addict, you know, uh, with all the behaviors and stuff. And, you know, I, here, I still haven't drank. You know, I was just on the big pharmaceutical train. And, and you know, over the, I kept using... You saw me using. I told you I was clean, but you told me I was clean. Uh, I mean, I, I told you I was clean when I would come down here and stuff like that. Every fucking time I saw you, that's how we met. That's how we met. We met at a restaurant. We met at a restaurant. I was clean. And you found out, no. He <laughs> <laughs> was clean on fucking Suboxone, right? Oh, I'll get to that part. So. No, no, but bottom line, when we met, right, it was like uh, somehow it came on the topic of the podcast. And you were like, oh, what's the podcast about? It's about Rico. Oh, dude. Dude, clean, we're, bro. we're brothers. <laughs> we're brothers. I've been clean for like eight years now. I'm like, awesome, dude. Let's go to a meeting. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. Full of shit. But I, uh, so, you know, there came a point that I, um, you know, I was done. I, I was tired. Well, I thought, you know, I, I thought I was in my head. I was like, you know, I'm not going to do this. And my dad's like, hey, we can get this new stuff. It's called Suboxone to get us off all these years of opiates and, you know, and Xanax or whatever it was. And I was like, whoa, we can do it. So I remember going, in two, this is December 12, 2006. I always remember the day because my wife was pregnant with our first kid. I said, I'm getting clean, man. And I'm going to go, go, go fucking get some Suboxones and I'm good. And I, and I went to this specialist, uh, and, and I said to her, I said, uh, you know, I want to get in a Suboxone program. And back then, they only had 30 people that were allowed in the program, you know, per doctor. Now, you, with, the, with the so-called epidemic now, which has last, been over 25 years ago, but they say it's now, um, you know, they're only allowed 30 people. And I was lucky, fortunate enough to get in there. And so, so I, you know, I talked to her, and I said, listen, I, I need to kick, kick all these opiates and stuff like that. And she's like, all right, this is what we're going to do. All right. And the whole thing, the whole time I'm thinking to myself, she's going to give me a script and I'll fill it in like a month and literally just keep using and keep, keep using, you know? And so, um, so she said to me, she says, did you use this morning? And I'm thinking to myself, did I tell the truth or do I lie? And this and that, of course I use because when you, I got to the point where I had to use when I, when I slept. So I'd wake up at two in the morning, six in the morning, use, take, you know, you know, whatever Roxy's and well, I graduated to Roxy's. Let's, 
get that part in. So it got really bad. So, so I lied to her and she said, if you're lying to me, you're going to hate me. And so, so I was like, no, man, I, I, I'm good. I'm good. I'll, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to fill this prescription in like a month, you know, this, for this new Suboxone stuff. So um, she said, okay, let's go next door. I'm going to get you the, uh, we're going to get the script. She brought me back in and she goes, all right, take one. And she goes, if you're lying, you're going to hate me. And I was like, all right, no problem. And I took it and I went into immediate withdrawal, like, like Narcan, like how, I mean, it, it felt like that. I was just beat. She goes, you lied. <laughs> and so, but, but it was weird, oh, because her, the, the prescription for, for, for the Suboxone, it's not like methadone where you go get it in the morning and like, you know, or you'll get a little bit here and there. They just say, here's, here's 60, you know, to a day, you know, eight milligrams, this and that. And, uh, but I can tell you after a few days, but I was taking Xanax, she was giving me Xanax too. So I was taking uh, three, uh, two or three extended release Xanax with Zoloft with the Suboxone. So I was high, I was, you know, well, no, at first, I gotta be honest with you, at first, after like a day with the Suboxone, I was like, holy shit. They invented like a miracle drug. <laughs> I feel so good. My, I have no. I was calling everybody like I have no more marshmallows in my head. I, I'm cured. You know, like I can't believe this shit. This stuff works. But then you know, like a normal addict, you know, because Suboxone used to be pills in the old days with a sword on it, which should be a sword that should be stuck in your head. But like, and then you learn how to inject them. And, <clears throat> And, and then you learn how to mix them with Xanax and all the Adderall and stuff like that. So I was still loaded. You know, I mean, I, I was good. You know what I'm saying? To the point where, uh, you know, to the point where I was messier uh, with the, the, the MA, the medical assisted treatment, than I was before. Even with, like, even if I was doing heroin. You know, I, I was a disaster, literally, to the point where my wife kicked me downstairs and said, you, you live down here. Cause I was falling asleep with ice cream sandwiches and <laughs> dropping my phone in a Slurpee and like doing all crazy shit. And like, you know, I, my, I was like a robot. I was literally like a robot, you know? And, and I would get caught up, uh, just doing nothing, you know? And to, you know, and so I stayed on the Suboxone and the Xanax and, and the Zoloft and the, uh, and, the, you know, I met, dabbled with the Adderall and drank three five-hour energy drinks. And, and I'm getting to a point of the story about the five-hour energy drinks. Because five-hour energy drinks for me were like a speedball. You know what I mean? But instead of injecting like a Coke or something or doing blow, I'd just drink five-hour energy drinks all day long. You know, I'd drink like four a day. You know, I'd walk in there and go, hey, uh, how many of these can you drink a day? And they'd be like... I don't know how many you want. I go, can I drink like four of these a day? But then I would hit, start drinking Red Bull and all this stuff. So I was maintaining this very toxic uh, behavior daily. You know what I mean? Just like morning, sub Suboxone and, uh, and uh, Xanax and take my pills and eat my pills, this and that. And uh, with all the bad drinks and all the bad food and um, peeing in the bed and, you know, eating all that kind of crazy shit. And so, and, um, yeah, I, I was loaded, just as loaded as before. You used to pee in the bed? Yeah. I used to pee. Oh, you know Frankie, right? <laughs> you, you know Frankie, my dog, uh, Frankie. Yeah. My, my gorgeous dog? Yeah. Uh, people in the group know it. Uh, I know, I've seen dog. it, a little gray one. But, you know, I'll tell you, like, 
I was so loaded with this mixture of drugs that when he, you know, he slept with me because he was my buddy, he's my user buddy, you know, for all these years. So he slept with me. So one night he was on the side of the bed, but I thought he was on the other side of the bed. And I had this elliptical machine that I never used. You know, it just said it was in my office downstairs with the bed. And he was like, like itching me, whatever. So I threw, I threw him and think, I thought I was throwing him on the other side of the bed. And I heard this bong. And so I had actually threw him into the elliptical machine. And he, he's like three pounds. You know, he's three pounds. And uh, he just was laying there with his tongue out. And so, normal, you know, my, my behavior is I, you know, I got him and I put him on this white carpet in the living room. And I went outside and I was smoking. I was looking in there going, all right, I'm going to tell my kids that he ran away. No, no. Maybe I should just bury him. And, you know, you get all, yeah, I was fucking loony. I was a fucking loony tune, you know. And you wouldn't believe it. After 15 minutes of just letting my dogs, who I love, I love my dog to death. He, he just got up and started walking around. Oh, I was dude. like, right on. I don't got to explain this one. I'm going oh, back to bed. Dude. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, so I, I did have a long stint with the Suboxone. Uh, the Suboxone. And, uh, and, but, you know, when, when, you're, when you have the opiate thing, you know, you, you know, you know how to use it where you stop the Suboxone for a day. You're like, all right, I'll stop it for 18 hours because that's the cutoff line. I know opiates will work. And let me get on some opiates again. I'll save these Suboxones, and this is the way it was going to be. And so my stepfather, uh, my mom had this great idea that, you know, I was going to take him to Italy. Two addicts with my mother-in-law and my wife, who's Normie, and my one-year-old baby. So when we, when we uh, got there, we get to Italy, and, I, and, and I'm like, Steve, maybe I should hold your dope. And he's like, what do you mean? I go, because you'll probably run out faster than me. But I was manipulating him so I can have his dope. You know, and these are all pharmaceuticals. Now the Suboxone's pushed away. So now you're dealing with back to the, 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 the Lodids, Okay. The monsters. Or Panas. You know, that kind of stuff. Oh, dude. Oh, Pana. Jesus. So, so, so he, he, I convinced him. I said, I should probably hold half your stuff. So three days later, his half was gone. And so I was like, well, let me regulate yours. So by the time the trip was ending, we had no dope left. And so I left him there in Italy and flew home with just enough to get me home. And I flew to Atlanta and I, you know, I got home. I still was okay, you know, because I had enough in me. And I said to my mom, I, I called her and I said, hey, mom, where are you? I go, I'm in Atlanta. And she goes, where's Steve? Where's dad? Stepdad? And I go, oh, he, he, he's, he's back in Italy, you know, and, he, and I made it home and he ended up missing because he was so dope sick. He was chasing around doctors in Italy which it's not like normal drugs there. It's not like you could go, give me some Dilatas and Lortabs and you know, all these other uh, drugs. So he had a hard time, you know, but he, got, he made it home three days later. And uh, so that's when I thought to myself, you know what, you know what, I'm really, you know, I really need to get back on Suboxone again. You know, so I got on Suboxone again and now we're going on like years of Suboxone and Xanax and Zoloft and you know, all this kind of shit. <coughs> and, uh, you know, I, uh, 
I didn't have an urge to stop at all. Even when I came out here and saw you and, and I lived out here and stuff like that, and you'd, you'd cruise by and go, you want to go to a meeting? I'd be like, no, nah, man, I'm good, bro. Clean. <laughs> and Because uh, I was taking Suboxone. You know, I, I was clean. This is why I, I, I'll, I write about Suboxone in the group chat a lot because I spent 10 years on that stuff. You know what I mean? So, um, so when and there came a point that I still didn't get it. And that was when my mom was dying, okay? I was using and Red Bulling and five-hour energy drink because I needed to stay awake, you know? And this is 2012. Uh, my mom was dying, and uh, when um, I brought her from the hospital home to, uh, with a hospice care, um, she died with only me there. And... Um, I call, you know, I called the coroner, but the first thing in my head was, where's all the fucking dope? You know, so I made sure I got all the dope, and it was like fentanyl patches and all this kind of stuff, and, and uh, my mom was dead. She was laying right there next to me. You know, that's how sick mm. this disease is. You know what I mean? So I'm collecting dope. My mom's dead. I haven't mm. called my brother yet. You know, this and that, but I'm making sure I got all the dope. Oh. Put it in the car, and then I'm like, Guys, uh, mom passed away. It's, you know, um, you know, and then we, we, you know, everybody comes over and stuff like that. But three days before that, we're getting back to the Red Bull thing. My mom told me three days before she passed away, she said, Anthony, <clears throat> I know you'll never stop using drugs. Please stop drinking the five hour energy drinks and stuff oh, like that. Oh, dude. And, you know, I was like, yeah, I can do that, mom. But you, you, you don't, you know what I mean? She dies and then you're using again and then I'm still doing the same shit again. She was worried about my heart because, you know, I was, I'm always so hyper, you know how I am. Um, if I, I mean, if I did blow and stuff, I'd be dead or, or you know what I mean? I'm deadly afraid of like meth. See, that's why I never thought I was really an addict because I, I never did like meth. To me, it's like meth. Oh, you're fucking nuts. Meth. Holy shit. Crack. Crack. You know, as long as I stayed within my comfort zone of the using of pharmaceuticals and stuff like that, I was cool. I, I wasn't an addict. And then um, three weeks later, my stepfather died. The one, the Opana, my Opana buddy. And uh, that was in 2012. And, you know, oh, oh, I can honestly tell you that it's hard for me and it, and to even talk about it because... I didn't feel, you know, I didn't feel anything. I didn't cry. And I had both of my, my stepfather for 35 years and my mom, uh, my, he, was a, he was an addict. He died of partially this disease as well and uh, of addiction. And my mom had a double funeral and I didn't feel, you know, I, I was good. And I was like, okay. And this was the first time I really ever saw a consequence bash me in the head because when they both died my brothers who all came over they only smoked weed you know so like weed is okay you know not to me but like you know to some people it's like ah, i just smoke bud no big deal you know i can do it it's, you know i don't know it i couldn't do it but um and so we couldn't find the will so i searched the whole house with them and i was all by myself and i found the will and meanwhile you gotta remember i have a new wife now in between all, you know, like in between this stuff, you know, I left, I wrecked the other one by being, what's the word? Infidelity or something? Being uh, unfaithful, unfaithful. You were married before. Yeah. I did not know this. I wrecked her too. 
But anyways, <laughs> but I gave her, you know, she ended up with the house and good, and she, she's good. She worked at a church now, by the way. Okay. But uh, she was, she's a great woman. But, you know, when you're 35 and a 22-year-old looks at you from Australia and you're looking at her and you're, and you're just like, I was done. You know, this is my brain going again. I was like, you need to move here. You know, so I got her in an apartment and my, and my mom, uh, this is coming, this is also part of what the will said. And so, you know, I got an an apartment and poor Cammy, she, uh, she was left to burn. And, uh, because I had a 22 year old that I was just like, right on. And the first thing she asked me in the car, you wouldn't believe it. When we left the, the hotel there, she said to me, she goes, you know, in Australia, we hear these about these cool pills you guys got here. And I was like, right on my girl. I opened the glove box and we were getting loaded, you know, from, from then. But, um, so, yeah, so then I had a new wife, the, the, young, the young one, you know, and, um, and we had the kids and stuff like that. But anyways, going back to my mom, when I found the will, my mom was really pissed off what I did with my ex-wife as well. because she was, she was a saint. She works in a church. You know what I mean? She, she, she would bring me, like, food to work every day. You know what I mean? And I was using and she, listening to, like, my Alice in Chains using music, and she would walk in and make sure I wasn't dead. And this is when I was with her, the divorced one. And uh, my mom loved her. You know, my mom, my mom loved her. She loved you too, Natalie, if you ever listen to this, which I hope my wife's not part of this group, <laughs> group podcast. But, She's uh, not. Um, don't let her in. <laughs> um, so, so anyways, so when I found the will, the will said in big letters, Anthony gets nothing. Oh, get out. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking blew my mind. I, I was just like, Wow. But then my brothers fixed it. They're like, "Don't worry, Aunt. We'll fix it. We'll just we'll we'll divide it all up." Because we had two, I had two dead parents, you know. We'll just divide it all up, you know. And so, so my brothers were cool about it, you know. But when you see your mom's handwriting say, "Anthony gets nothing, zero goose egg," I was like, <gasps> you know. And that was one of the first big blows. But I kept using. You know, it, it kept going on, kept going on and on. And um, it was coming that, you know, being 45 now, okay, I was getting tired. You know, I was getting tired and I was crashing. So now I have my new young wife and I've, you know, I, you know I've, I've done all the stupid shit, like raise the bar and buy a 9-11 for her on Valentine's Day or whatever and buy her jewelry and stuff like that. And then I'm selling it all back, you know, like, like. You buy a car for this much, and then you're selling it to the CarMax place for one-fourth of what you bought it for. I'm selling the earrings to do this and that, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, yeah, I was jammed up, man, having kids. And, you know, she, you know, she met this guy that she thought was this American <laughs> poker player guy that lived in Vegas, was all this and that. And, and um, so I was getting tired. And not only getting <clears> – <throat> was I getting tired of – you know, laying in bed by myself downstairs and laying with the kids and this and that. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is it's from smoking. Drink some more of that Coke. Okay. You know, um, and then you can go outside and have a cigarette. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Sorry. But Omar, you know, so my mom couldn't stop me from using. My, my real dad is still in active addiction. My stepdad dying couldn't stop me from using. Having three kids, wonderful kids that I never had a photo with until they were nine, seven, and five, clean. 
or and being getting married loaded and not having a picture with my wife even clean, not going to baseball games, you know, becoming that guy that, you know, I got people now that are friends with my wife. They're like, they're like, God, you're you're a little different because like 10 years ago when I used to come over, you never left that room. And they, we call it the opium den, that, the room down there. And so this is when the, the bottom was starting to fall out. Suboxone, I still was on Suboxone, but I was up to like three eighths a day, which is like a Christmas tree. Like lighting, it's like my brain was like a Christmas tree. It was all lit up, you know, and, and I was still in Xanax and all this kind of stuff. And um, so I was getting to the point where I'd go to the doctor early this is when i started getting worn out it's like you're four days early and then all of a sudden you're eight days early you know on all even all the meds you know all the meds because I, I was getting aggressive you know and and uh then i'd end up at my dad's house He'd be like hey dad can you give me like four suboxones and he's like bro i'm not giving you any suboxones and i'd be like i'll give you a hundred dollars a piece for him i was that desperate you know because when you have suboxone in your body for a long time and you know the, my, my story about this. Um, y- you, y- you better think about what you're doing because it's a really big kick, especially with the Xanax and stuff like that. So, you know, anyways, the doctors were getting sick of me. So, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go see a psychiatrist. See what's wrong with me. You know, I, I want to know what's wrong. What's going on with my head? Why am I doing all this stupid shit? Like, you know... I would actually get up with the rituals where I'd kick the wall three times, put deodorant on under one arm, and be like, all right, I'm going to have a good day today. Like, all these stupid things in my head. I, I'm going to go to a psycho, uh, psychiatrist, you know? So I go to the psychiatrist, and uh, he tells me, he says, he, he didn't even, like, ask me much at all, you know? I, I was like, wow, cool psychiatrist, you know? And he's like, what, so what are you taking? I go, I take this, that. And he goes, I think we should increase all your dosages. <laughs> And I'm like, what? And he goes, I think it's a psychological thing with you that if you have more, you'll do less. I was like, all right, that's cool. I still didn't want to face it. You know what I'm saying? You know, so, so all my stuff was upped. You know what I mean? And this is coming to where I came here, where I blasted out of here in 2016. So then, I, so then a friend of mine, he says, and you really need to see this real psychologist, the one that is in the loony wards in, 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 uh, in, in Vegas. So, uh, so I'm like, where do I see him? And he goes, all right, meet us at, at Subway. You know, and so, so I walk in there and he goes, so what are you taking? And I told him, he goes, oh, I can't, I, I can't see you. I was like, why? He goes, Suboxone and all this fucking bullshit stuff? He goes, you got to stop all this right now and start taking all this other stuff I'm going to give you. And I'm like, what's, so I'm going to take, what's Seroquel? What's, uh, oh, so you want me to go clonopins, Seroquel, and all these other brain, you know, all, all their mind-altering things, you know? So that's when I was coming to crash, to my crash landing. <clears throat> so it, I ended up in Costa Rica, living here for the summer. And I was having people bring me Suboxone in. So I have, have it floating. Do you remember that? When, no, I remember. When you'd come and say, you going to the meeting? I'd be like, yeah, bro, I'm going to the meeting. Come pick me up at 12. And I wouldn't go. No. Nope. Ever. But I was Ever. clean. You know uh, that, right? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so I was having people fly it in. Everything just got hard, man. And um, so I'm back here in 2016, August. And um, <clears throat> I was running out of Suboxone. 
Xanax, you can get here. You can go down there and say, hey, listen, give me this. You know, Costa Rica, you can do that. Not that I do that. But, uh, but Suboxone, I'm like going to every pharmacy like, I need Suboxone. We don't have that in South America and Central America. So I, I'm like, you know, fuck, man. And then I started getting sick. And then I ended up having, uh, passing out with a Red Bull at a client's house with his kids there. And I woke up. Uh, this is August 30th. This is true. Omar, Omar knows. And uh, I just got the fuck out of Dodge. I flew home, got, landed in Houston, got delayed, started getting more sick. And then I ended up in Vegas. And I had, a, I had Suboxone prescriptions you know, at home. And I wrote void on them all. And I gave them to my wife. I said, honey, here, I'm going in the backyard. Don't, leave, don't bother me. Leave me by myself. So I went back in the backyard, called you, called I you. Oh, yeah. Because uh, the fourth day kick was really hard on me. You know, I was like, I got this. This is fucking no problem, a little whatever. But the fourth day uh, was bad, and I called you. And I, you remember I called you, and I said, oh, I'm sick, man. He's like, and you're like, what the fuck? And I'm like, bro, I, I haven't been clean ever. I don't think I've had one clean day <laughs> ever <laughs> since 1986. But <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, so, so I lasted nine days of kicking until the point where I was getting cr- real crazy. You know, you, you remember I was telling you I was getting tell us, real crazy. Tell us about that. Well, so like on day one, on day one, I was like, you know what? Uh, maybe I should not drink Red Bull because my mom said, and there five energy drinks. And my wife went and got me like one of those organic like energy drinks. And I don't know if you remember this part, but so like I was in the backyard, I stayed in the backyard 24 hours a day. And I had to take a shower every hour on the hour. And uh, I'd take a bath, a shower, and then use a rubbing stone of, uh, what do you call those stone things? Pumice stone to rub the outside of my skin to make it, hurt so much that the inside wouldn't hurt because I was, I was completely broken. You know, like it felt like misery when they broke the legs on, yep. on the, uh, the writer, yep. James Conn. Yep. My legs were destroyed. My legs were swollen from all those years and they were shrinking. I think the nerves were killing me and I, and I was just sick. I was just totally, I was like, I, I think I told you, I said, I feel like I'm a lion on rabies running, run, running around mm-hmm. my backyard. And, you know, I have a backyard that faces a golf course. So, like, there's golfers going by, you know. So, I'm out there in my boxers, like, sick. And, you know, the rocks are all, all over the place and this and that. But anyway, so, so I, I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, okay, maybe my mom will pray for me. And, God, please help me. And, and you know how you go to God when, like, something bad yep. happens and you never thought of him ever. Even though, I, even though I went to Catholic school, I, you know, I don't even know what the hell was going on. I was like, God, help me. Mom, what do I do? Oh, Maybe I just shouldn't drink the five energy drink, and my mom helped me get through this. And so she went and got me one of those organic, like uh, jungle juice things. So I'm sitting back there, and I'm sitting back there, I'm trying it out. I set it down, and a bee lands in it. And so I drink it, and if I can have a bee in my mouth, right? So I'm like tripping. I'm like, what the hell? This thing is in my mouth. And, and uh, you know, progressively, mentally, I was tormented. You know, I, you know, I didn't know how to adjust to feeling this pain. You know, but like any addict, you know, we're pretty smart people. So I had to go through the, until you got me in the meeting on the 10th of September, I had to go through learning this stuff on my own, you know? And so, and so like, you know, I don't want to be gross 
gross or anything, but like, you know, when you, listen, I'd rather kick off any other drug than Suboxone. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, it's rough. But like, so, you know, I was taking the showers, I was taking the baths, whatever, but I wasn't sleeping. So I'd be up at night. I think I'd be sending you pictures of me in the dark, like outside, like, you know, just like with my legs up. Remember oh, that? yeah. Remember that? That was horrible. And uh, so, so, so I wanted to sleep. So, so I, you know, I thought to myself, maybe if I, how do I say it? Maybe if I rub one out? Yeah. Okay. Maybe if I rub one out, <laughs> then I could sleep. Right. So then I had this thing going on where this is before you got me in day 10. This is like in the six, seven, eight, nine day. I was trying to learn all these things. You know, I I was like, okay. so I take a shower. I use the stone. I make my my skin bleed. So the inside zone hurt. And then I uh, I'll go downstairs and I'll rub one out and then I'll fall asleep. And and then I wake up 10 minutes later. and I go, holy shit. It's only been 10 minutes. And then it was going over and over again. So then you told me to watch Mr. Robot or something. Yeah. <laughs> so I watched Mr. Robot and I see this crazy fucking guy on there. And I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, this is me. So, so then I was like, fuck that Mr. Robot. And, and this is true. <laughs> but, but see, because my chemicals were all messed up. You know, I, I didn't have all the right chemicals and I, I needed adrenaline, you know. So, so I ended up between my, the showers, rubbing it out, trying to sleep, watching 13 hours of the movie over and over and over and over and over again because it's about Benghazi and all those, uh, <clears throat> sorry, seals being together. I watched that like, I don't know, 50 times, let's say. I just kept watching it over and over and over because it gave me a little bit of like adrenaline, you know? And around day 10, you, uh, when I talked to you, you said, Aunt, you really need to go to a meeting. And I said, what meeting? And you're like, you need to go to Narcotics Anonymous, bro. I go, well, where do I find it? And it was like 8.15, 8.20 at night, right? And uh, <clears throat> I loaded the app. Like you, like you said, it's probably an app. And there was a meeting at 9 o'clock. And uh, my wife's in there. You know, you know, you got you to remember, I'm in the backyard. So, like, she's telling my kids your dad's a fucking drug addict over looking him out there you know i'm like oh why now you know i know so so i'm leaving at 8 30 that night on day 10 to go to a meeting you know and, and the meeting would happen to be on the other side of town but it's not like a luxury meeting it's not like like i have 29 years clean time and my cadillac broke you know or this and that i went to an na na rugged meeting you know court cards and stuff like that and they say you, you remember some of the first things in your, when you first get into recovery. And this guy's a good friend of mine. I, you know, uh, his first name's Selly. But um, he shared. Well, first of all, I, I couldn't walk up to the meeting because my legs were broken. So, you know, so I was helped up in the meeting. This, that, and you told me they loved me, and they did. Okay, they helped me up the stairs. Then they asked me to fucking chair. And I'm like, chair? <laughs> Can't even fucking move. You know, and so, uh, so, so anyways, I ended up, thanks to my higher power, into the right meeting. Because you know how stubborn I am. You know. You know I know. I ended up in a meeting where they, they were sharing, like, prison stories. And, and I stabbed this dude in this prison. And I did this and that. Real shit. Like, like I needed that real shit. And, uh... That was my first meeting. And that, and that meeting sent me to 
you know, a point where I started listening. People were coming to me. Do you have a sponsor? Do you, do you, uh, do you do this? And this is a funny story. So, so, you know, after a couple, you know, like I had one meeting, I'm hoodied up. I'm all hoodied up, you know? How much time do we have here? Because I can go, go for like four hours. Go, go. Uh, we don't have four hours, but go. But uh, so, so I'm all hoodied up and uh, I'm chairing in a candlelight meeting, can't even see. I'm holding it upside down and she's like, oh, I put it like this. And people knew I was, it was sick. Uh, you know, I was that dude. You know, the dude that comes in, you're like, oh, that dude, he ain't going to make it. <laughs> you know, people think that, you know, they, they do. You can't, you got to admit that. You see someone walk in, somebody's like, oh, that dude's fucked up. He's not going to I was that dude. You know what I mean? So, <clears throat> so I walked in there and, and I, uh, and I chaired the meeting and I actually, and I actually, actually shared it in the group, me on the ground with a white tag, but I put it in front of the recovery center's name. And I was so like, it was that night. And I was on the ground because I was beat up, you know, after the meeting. And I had that white tag and I, I sent it to you and I put it on the group chat. And I don't know if you remember that you're almost, you're probably going to kick me out of the chat because some dude said, he broke tradition six. And I'm like, oh, I remember that. I'm like, I remember that. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, what the, what the fuck? fuck is tradition six, man? I have one day. I'm fucking just. I'm just getting into this program. You're worried about Tradition 6, bro? I go, come over to my house and I'll show you how fucking you detox. You know, I mean, I was pretty, you know, but, the, you know, I didn't, I didn't know any of that stuff. You know, I, I, you know, I was just getting involved, you know, and just learning. But anyway, so. Um, that was funny, dude. So, yeah, I was pissed at the group. I, I, mean, I was fighting with that guy. That was in the I Facebook like, group. you yeah. motherfucker. You could tell me with Tradition. I don't even know what a step is. You know what I mean? Well, step one is, was, was my higher power. I, you know what higher power was? You know, I was just trying to do what you told me to do and listen to what they were telling me. So that became my home group. And then I got a sponsor. And then I started going you know, through, the, through uh, the literature and reading. And, and uh, you know, when you told me to get a sponsor, I figured out why. Because I needed that person to tell me as time went on where I was at, where I was supposed to be. Because Suboxone and all that shit messed me up so bad that like, I'd be at like 27 days. I'm like, bro, why do I feel like this? He's like, oh, you're right where you're supposed to be. And, 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 and so I would be like 51 days. Bro, you're right where you're supposed to be. This will pass. And I'm like, the fuck? You know? And, and then, but, but, but after going to the meeting and stuff like that, I also thought that like, like, my wife would like validate, you know, like I wanted all the validation, you know, like, like, Hey, I'm this NA guy. I, I'm clean, this and that. And that's when she actually, when I got my 30 day, told me, she talked to me in a fucking year. But, um, but yeah, I started going through the process. I started getting a support group and hanging out with the fellowship and learning shit, bringing the same shit that we've talked about for probably for 40 years home to my wife. And it's hard for a wife who's normally when you're walking there going, this too shall pass. Or I, you know, I'd be telling my kids that, like, you know, like, it gets better. You know, like all those things that you first learn. You know, oh, yeah. You're listening, you know, like. Uh, the cliches. There's more to be revealed. You know, you start bringing that stuff home. But then I was also bringing home, like, the fellowship talk between, you know, like, my sponsored brothers have, like, things they say, like, right on. And so I was, like, I was bringing all this stuff at, to home. And, and so my wife was like, 
can't you go to a meeting like where there's lawyers and stuff? And I'm like, <laughs> first of all, I'm not a fucking lawyer. You know, I mean, do I look like a lawyer to you? And I said, uh, I said, this, I, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm at in a room that I need to be in. I need people to show me what prison has done to them. You know, what, what uh, being bottomed out is. Because even though I was emotionally bottomed out, and, and I was also physically bottomed out, and detoxing stuff, stuff like that, somehow I managed to fucking keep a house and keep a roof over their head. You know, I didn't have any money left, but it was still there, and I was still getting paid. But uh, so, you know, I, uh, I told her, I go, this is where I need to be. This is my meeting, 9 o'clock, you know, um, the real shit. And so, I, so I, I started to work the program, and then I, and I got through... Uh, Simpson steps with my with my sponsor, and he was twenty three years old, and this is why I ended up switch having to switch sponsors, because you know like, this kid worked so hard to get me clean because I was so defected, you know. Like I'd be like, "Yeah, bro, I'll be at your house at like uh, six thirty, and then I wouldn't call him, and like the next day I'd be like, "What's up, man?" He's like, "I thought you were coming." He goes, "Bro, you got to make commitments." And I was like, "What's a commitment?" He goes, "From now on, you're making coffee," and I'm like, "Bro, I ain't making fucking coffee." He goes, "No, you're making making coffee." Because I needed to get some structure in my life. You know what I mean? And, I, and now when you, ask, when, you ask, when you ask me before about my daily routine, it's still, I'm learning. You know what I mean? But to the, through the help of my program, through, through my fellowship and stuff like that, I had people around me that were showing me how to live. You know what I mean? And um, that made me think of Chris Cornell because actually going through recovery, uh, my grand sponsor, uh, who's, a hard, who's got heart backbone recovery, man, he, uh, we were in the car one day and he put on Chris Cornell, show me how to live. And that became my favorite song, you know, like, and then he died. Um, anyways, but, um, so yeah, no, I just got into the fellowship where I had to tell my wife, you know, listen, I had no shame in using, I have no shame in recovery. Awesome. Okay. So, yes. so give me a chance to make recovery. I didn't tell her. I, I, I didn't ask her. I told her, I go, recovery is number one for me right now. And she was like, what the hell? I should be number one. The kid should be number one. And I said, if I don't get better and, and, and arrest this shit and, and put a plug on it or whatever, you know, you, you know, whatever we say, I said, there's nothing, there's nothing at all. So uh, it took time for her to, to, uh, let me go to meetings. And it was hard, you know, when, when you're like sneaking out at 8.30, like you're going, where are you going? Meeting? Oh my God, another meeting. But I needed the meetings every fucking day. Even Australia, I've, I, a few people on the, on the uh, share cast, I've been meetings in Australia, Costa Rica, in Vegas. Uh, I've been to a bunch of meetings in different places. But for me, when the question came up <clears throat> from my wife, she said, but Aunt, you're, uh, you did it by yourself. And so you don't need to go to meetings anymore. Mm. And so I said, no, honey, I need to go to meetings. And so I said, you know, I want to work the steps. You know, I, I want to change my life. You know, this is important to me now. She's like, you're just going out and doing all that stuff with your buddies, this and that. I go, no, we actually talk about recovery. I mean, you know, we actually, bol we joke. Joking is part of, makes it fun. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, so she let me go. She just said, do what you got to do. And so I actually did, and I could go into meetings, this and that, but then after a year or so, not take, you know, step one, fucking solid. 
you know, I can run to step one. I want, you know, I got through step four with the 23 year old, but you know, he wanted to hang out so much. And so I had to kind of get an older sponsor that has you know, understood what I was dealing with. And, uh, so it happened like maybe a couple of months ago that, you know, my wife and I got in a big fight and she actually, when, when she came to my meeting for the one year anniversary, <clears throat> like a week later, she heard some shit in there. First, you know, she's never been to a meeting. She's seen people with double bracelets on, like anklets, you know. And uh, she said to me, this is when I really got serious about living this program. Because, you know, I've been white knuckling it just fucking Looney Tune, you know. And my wife said to me, she goes, you're the same. You know, going back to what I said about how they use that word there, you know, about uh, you're the same junkie cunt, you know. <laughs> And, and, and I was like, who the hell are you telling me I'm not the same? She goes, you do the same thing over and over and over again. This year you're just not on drugs. So that's when I really had to get focused, get, get in, uh, involved with service. And I actually took a day where I have Tuesday, like I told you before, Tuesday meetings, got a new sponsor, black, tough asses, nails guy, because that's what I need. I need, you know, I need the kick in the ass. I'm a very stubborn person. You know, I don't listen to nobody. And, uh, well, I, I am, you know, but um, I'm getting better at it, let's say. But, uh, yeah, so now I'm seriously going through the steps. I only got through the fourth one, but maybe the fourth one just got me all fucked up. I don't know. But uh, I'm, I'm redoing the steps with a new sponsor, and uh, he's a great guy. And this program literally has saved my life, you know, to the point where, like, you know, from where I am, oh, from, from where I've been, where I am, what I've had, this and that, I like helping these people. I like the newcomers. You know, and I explained to my wife, I need to be there. What if some, someone new walks in and doesn't know what Suboxone fucking does to you after 10 years, you know? And, um, yeah, so, you know, it's recovery is, is, is important and it's lifelong. You know, it's either a lifelong of recovery or, or your death row. You're on fucking death row, you know, and, uh, and, and, th and you know, all those things we say, things will get better. They do get better. Uh, this shall pass. They do pass. You know, all those things aren't bullshit. Those things people have said for a reason. And if we just later on, we start understanding that stuff, um, we get it. One day you're just like, you get it. And you're like, fuck yes. This program fucking works. You know, and it, it took a long time. But uh, yeah, I'm grateful for, for, my, for my fellowship and NA. NA out here for you for uh, sending me on my merry way and uh, talking to me the first uh, 90, 100 days. <laughs> when I was what when I was what's happened to you Omar what am I doing uh, I'm tired even to the point where I where I called you and I said Omar it's been 101 days and you know what I think I feel okay now what because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to do you know what I mean and that's when I called my sponsor he's like maybe you should work step two you know and so but yeah I mean there's a lot of it's important to be around other addicts it's really important because, and, you know, I'll, I'll trim this up but, and, and close this out. But, you know, going back to 
I mean, you look at me. I'm wearing a Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, you got an NA hat. You got an NA necklace. You know why? Because I have to live this shit. I have to live this shit on a daily basis. I have to wake up every morning and check myself. You know, because I cannot take another. I have not one. I, I don't think I have another recovery in me. I just really don't, honestly. I, I'm not like the bullshitter 24-year-old dude that, you know, is like, I don't have another recovery. Man. I'm like, you're fucking 24, bro. You look great. You know, can you see those people in meetings that are, that, that are like 24 and they're like, yeah, I got 29 days clean. I was like, yoga and the gym. And I was like, what the hell? Because, you know, I look like, a, you know, that I went through a lot of shit kind of dude, that kind of dude. And then you see these people that like are young and this and, this and that. And you're like, gym? But like, I finally got to the gym. Oh, it's a big deal. And it's a guy in my fellowship who trains me. It's a big deal. And uh, so I'm starting to do things. I'm doing, starting to do some normal shit in my life. I'm starting to be organized. I let my wife handle the fucking bills. I'm like, yeah, you know what? One plus one does not equal two in this fucking house. So if you want to figure out the bills, go ahead. Have fun. You know, because she has to go fix them, all the wreckage. You know, the, all this stuff. You know, like, where's this? Why do we have a bill from 10 years ago? You know, or, or, you know all this kind of stuff. And why do we have to go to the, to the power company to pay the bill? We can't do it online anymore. You know, because I would, you got to understand, it, it's a process. Some people don't like that word process. But it's a process, oh, where early recovery can be so hard that you can't even press the button to pay the power bill on your phone. You know what I mean? You're, you're like, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. So, you know, gradually, I'm, stay, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to be able to be what you and I talked about over a year ago, a productive member of society, okay? Where I drive, even though I drive Tico style in uh, Vegas still, but I'm able to function and take my kids, go to their baseball games, and I, the past is the past. What can I do? You know, what, you know what I mean? I just know from here on out, baseball beanie at the kids' fucking ba uh, baseball game. My wife hates it. I'm sorry. I have to live this stuff day to day and not risk dying. Because, you, know, you know, in Vegas, people fucking dying all the time. You know, it's sad. And in Vegas, it's unbelievable to me, you know, to, to comprehend. Like, I come in September 1st, to, to, to the, I mean, 2016. I come in there. There's guys 11 years clean. And they're fucking like giving you all the book talk, you know, like, well, it says this and that. And you pee on yesterday. It pees on tomorrow. Do you know that, that expression? Whatever, all these lingo. He's got all these lingo shit like that. I got 11 years clean, blah, 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 relapse. But he, but you know, and he can, but he was, he can recite it all, but he wasn't living this shit. You know, he can recite every fucking thing in the whole book. I can't. But I try to live as much as I know. And gradually get more and more involved so that that doesn't happen to me. Because what happens to the people that, you know, what if I'm 55 years old and I have no wife, lose everything, and I'm on the street? That, that's when you're just done. You know, because the help's not there. It's hard to help someone that's that far down. And I never want to risk it. I never want to risk my clean date, my sobriety, or, you know, being clean, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I thank the podcast and you, everyone here, you know, at the, uh, at the house uh, for letting me come. And, you know, I'm sorry I'm not a real, like, uh, 
you know, probably maybe Judy and those, you know, the ones that know all the book stuff, you know, are really good. I'm telling you about, I'm straight up, what my life has been. You know, I share the same in meetings. I share about, I share about yesterday and today. You know, I can't share about uh, page 77 relapse, uh, recovery and relapse every word. But I can tell you what fucking happens every fucking day in my life and what I have to deal with with this, with this disease that wants me dead. And that's it. And that is perfect, Ant. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Am I allowed to smoke now? No. <laughs> Stop with the smoking. Listen, right. listen, uh, listen. I am trying to quit the smoking until yesterday's meeting turned into a fucking smoking meeting. I don't know who started it, but someone in the 12 started this cancer shit, and now I'm all fucking tripped out about having cancer. Well, whatever it takes, buddy. Maybe I should just stop quit smoking. Wh- whatever, whatever it takes. I love it. Maybe you. I should quit smoking, right? Nothing, nothing bad's going to happen if you quit. Nothing bad is going to happen if Tattoos you quit. Tattoos are okay. Tattoos are okay. I love you. I love you, brother. I love you, too. All right. But before we close up, yeah. all right, you know how I like to close up, and it's for the newcomer. So I'm going to ask you five questions about your early recovery. I want you to answer these to the best of your ability so you can inspire the newcomers. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Number one. What was keeping you from getting clean or staying clean when you first got introduced to recovery? I had, I had the ability to keep using, uh, I guess, financially. And, you know, I, I didn't understand how the disease worked. I mean. You didn't know you had a disease. I didn't know I had a disease. I'm good. I thought I was good. Yeah. I thought you could just use forever. I got this. I got this. <laughs> All right. So number two, at what point did you have a spiritual awakening, that aha moment in recovery when you accepted that you were powerless over drugs and alcohol, but for the first time had discovered that you could, but, but for the first time had developed the hope that you could recover. When you told me to get my ass up and get into the meeting at nine o'clock at night on September 10th, 2016, I thought that I, I could do it because I had you. It's a big part of it. I had your back, bro. Yeah, in my back. Every single day through every disgusting detail. I was there for you. Know, you. you know, and coming back, people can't call me Cracky anymore. People used to call me Cracky. They're like, hey, Cracky. But anyways. <laughs> All right. Was that a good answer? That was a great answer. Okay. It's truth. Brother. What is the best suggestion you have ever received? The best suggestion that, well, you know, I mean, I can say don't use no matter what. I mean, that's what everyone says. But I mean, just take it day by day. You know, don't be hard on myself. You know what? Honestly, it was the same thing over and over that the person told me. When I would go back and say, well, my wife is like this, my wife is like that. And, he, and so this is your answer. Don't worry about that. It'll all fall into place. Beautiful, I love it. All right, and finally, if you could give our newcomers only one suggestion, what would it be? Honestly, to them, I would have to say, is it just one sentence or are you gonna just give them a? You can give us a few things if you'd like. All right. Um, for, for any newcomers out there, you know, it's not impossible um, to get your life back. You know, I see a lot of people who, uh, I see a lot of sad people. I have, I have a friend that spent 19 years in solitary that has one year clean time. <clears throat> He's a good friend of mine. If a guy in solitary confinement can come into NA and get clean, I think the rest of you can. And just think about what you're doing to the people around you because 
if you think that you're using and you're good and you're not hurting anybody, you're fooling yourself. Because look at all the things I just said that I did that I never thought that hurt anybody until you get the will that says Anthony gets nothing. <laughs> but get into a meeting, get a sponsor, you know, share. Share is so important in my recovery. I walk, you know, share. That's one of my biggest things, you know, for, for newcomers. Get into a meeting and fucking talk about what's going on in your fucking life, man. You know, even, you don't need to recite the book. You don't need to uh, go in there and say what's happening to you yesterday and today, how you felt like fucking using on the bus, but you didn't. And come share that with other people. That's what I do in a daily, uh, on a daily basis. I need that in my life. You know, so, I don't know, just... Listen, you're never going to use successfully. It's never. It's impossible. It's going to catch up to you. And you're going you're gonna to be at the bitter ends. <laughs> Jail institutions are dead. <laughs> and that's how we're going to close this out. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us, brother. All right, brother. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. <laughs> All right, we've now reached the end of our show. Thanks for joining us. And as we say here in Costa Rica... Pura Vida. Yeah. I love you guys. Pura Vida. Thank you for joining us on the Share Recovery Podcast. To check out the show notes page on this interview or to thank our guests for sharing their story, go to www.thesharepodcast.com. While you're on the website, don't forget to sign up for our free newsletter to stay up to date on the latest news, podcasts, and interviews. Want to be one of our guests and share your story? Then go to our website and click on the Share Your Story button. We share our inspiring recovery stories every Tuesday. So subscribe to our show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio to get your free weekly download. We'll see you then. The opinions shared on this show reflect those of the individual speaker and not of any 12-step fellowship as a whole. And though we discuss 12-step recovery and the impact it had in our lives, we do not promote or endorse any 12-step anonymous program.